This is John Mulder, Executive Director of the Trillium Institute, along with Jason Beckrow, welcoming you to Palliative Matters. We are palliative doctors who treat patients and families who are dealing with difficult medical journeys, and we'd like to share what we have learned along the way. How are you doing this morning, Jay? Doing fantastic, John. Always wonderful to be able to have these conversations about the things that we find so important to us and to our patients and their families. You know, we have talked on the podcast before about the importance of relationships as we negotiate these difficult journeys with our patients. We have contrasted a relational versus a transactional approach to healthcare. And in the midst of that, one of the things that always comes up is, well, we understand that now relationships are important, but those require developing a, a really strong, trusting relationship between physicians and their patients. Mm-hmm. So one of the questions that comes up in response to that is, how can we as physicians and practitioners, and, and I would even expand it even further, how do we develop trust with our patients? And I'm just wondering if you've got some thoughts on that. It's a fantastic uh, topic. And uh, the short answer is yes, John. It's something I do think about quite routinely. And I was really glad in our most recent podcast, we were asked, you know, how do you establish trust? And I think sometimes things to us become so second nature that you forget that there's actually some mechanisms on learning on how to do that. We say all the time that you should work hard to earn the trust of your patients. But again, how how does one go about that? And and so I've been given that a lot of thought. And what I've come up with, I believe the most important thing is recognizing that first and foremost, trust is essential to forming a strong working relationship with our patients, recognizing the essential nature of trust, and then uh, desiring that and being mindful of that. Once I think a uh, physician is mindful of the importance of trust and that they want to earn trust, now we'll start in our both consciousness and even our uh, subconscious start working toward that. And so that's something I've been thinking about a lot over the last several years, especially as I've been teaching students. So again, how do we earn trust? I think the first thing is to know it's important and then to desire that. And maybe to deconstruct that, let's go the other way. I think early in my career, I always assumed that my patients would trust me. I mean, why not? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a good guy. Um, my mom always says, you know, you're, you're a good person, you're special. And you know, who would, who would argue with mom? Of course. But then I start to recognize that our patients come from an infinite number of situations from the most peaceful and happy environments that practically only exist in works of fiction to some incredibly traumatic experiences that we can't even imagine and everywhere in between. And so with that in mind, what I've started doing is I assume only that we're at best at neutral. Maybe that the patient doesn't necessarily distrust me, but I assume I haven't earned their trust yet. And with that in mind, as I enter the room, as I enter the relationship, as we start walking our journey together, that is front and center in my mind. And I'll do everything I can to be mindful of that. Very little things, recognizing just how would you like to be called? I was in a situation the other day where the other party only spoke Spanish and we had a translator and I speak very, I'm going to give myself now maybe up to intermediate Spanish. I'm beyond the beginning level. I am not fluent. I could hold my own and could survive in a foreign country, 
but not enough where I'm comfortable trying to speak Spanish to a person who is fluent. But recognizing, I could see the fear in the eyes of the mother of the patient I was working with and just simply leaning in and using the Spanish I did know. I wanted her to feel heard. I wanted her to know that her words were getting across and that she was seen and that she was heard. And it was pretty amazing to me how the whole, you could practically feel the temperature in the room change. Initially, she was very guarded. When there's a language barrier, it is a incredibly stressful situation for our patients. And the moment she felt heard or she could see I was struggling to try to speak to her in her language, not in mine. I think that earned a lot of trust points for her. And all of a sudden, our relationship changed. The temperature warmed up. And next thing I know, we're moving a lot faster. We're moving at the speed of trust, so to speak. John, I know you've given this a lot of thought over the course of your career as well. So I'd be curious your reactions and and your thoughts on the matter. Yeah, I really love that image of she needed to be heard. And I think that is a critical part of it. The other thing that I really like to build into the relationships that I think really foster meaningful trust is what are the common points of personal connection that we can build with someone? Sometimes it might seem trivial. I do this with the students all the time, as well as with patients. As I'm going around the table with the students and asking where they're from, and someone will say, oh, I'm from uh, Bay City, Michigan. And I said, oh, that's great. I went to high school in Saginaw, Michigan, which mm-hmm. is part of the Tri-Cities there. And they said, oh, which, which high school? And I said, oh, I went to uh, Arthur Hill. And I said, where'd you go? Well, I went to Bay City Central. I said, oh, I can remember playing you guys in football. All of a sudden, there's a connection there. That a makes, connection and a kinship. There's a connection and a kinship. And it might be something that's similar. You know, went to Hope College. Oh, when did you graduate? Oh, I went to graduate in 2006. One of my boys graduated from Hope College in 2006. No kidding. Where I can find those, it would go even deeper when I was starting in my family medicine practice. Of course, part of a routine history is, so what do you do? You know, what's your occupation and how do you spend your days sorts of things? And might be someone would say, oh, I, I work in a hardware store over on Apple Avenue, or I'm a waitress at Russ's over on Henry Street. And I file that away and I make it a point If I'm going to have lunch, I'll go to that Russ's. And if I can sit in her station while she's working, I'll do that. If I need a hammer, I'll go to that hardware store and make sure that I buy it from him. Those points of connections, I think, are so important. And what it really communicates to the patient is that I'm valuable. I have something of value to my doctor. And it really builds this wonderful human moment that allows people to see each other in a light that says, wow, when we talk about the relational versus the transactional, those moments of connection are what I feel really helped to build that level of trust. So how can we best connect with our patients? And I'm going to just, you know, for our listeners, this concept can carry well beyond just a doctor-patient relationship. Other relationships that you have in life, at work, at your, within your faith community, within your neighborhood, Some new neighbors had moved into our cul-de-sac and we were just chatting with them out on the road, just getting to know them. So my wife was talking to the woman that had moved in and she said, well, where'd you move from? They said, well, we moved in from Hudsonville. Oh, I used to live in Hudsonville. And turns out as this went on, they were in the same neighborhood. They lived on the same street. 
Well, where are you from? I'm from Well, I'm from Muskegon too. And these points of connection became really fun and almost comical. There were so many of them. Ended up working at the same little burger joint when they were in high school many, many, many years ago. But all of a sudden, we have not only these new neighbors, but instantly we have new friends mm -hmm. because of these wonderful points of connections that we decided that we would reach out and try to make with them. That's part of the deal with this element of building trust. It is finding the areas of commonality and respecting who they are, where they're from, and showing that you have a similar respect for that. Now, it may very well be that when you're talking to someone, you don't have a point of connection. You didn't grow up where they grew up. You don't have a common thing, but you have common experiences in life. When someone says, oh, I, I grew up on an Indian reservation in Arizona, that's certainly not a point that I can personally relate to, but I can say, I find that fascinating. I've always wondered what that was like. Tell me what it was like growing up on a reservation. And then you let them talk. That's part of what you mentioned earlier. They need to be heard and they need to know that their life, their experience is important to you and that it really matters. And I think that's a really important aspect of building trust as well. 100%, John, agree with you 100%. And as always, whenever you talk, I take notes because you know just so much good stuff there. And I think we both recognize, again, that, that sense of connection. I see in my students that they recognize the value of earning trust and they desire to do that. Then also in those connections, they're, they're not irrelevant. They become very important and they reflect that to the patient and they let the patient know that we value that. And when the patient feels valued and when the patient feels heard, now they're ready to give us their trust. And as we've recognized and as we've talked about, once that trust is earned and now we're walking together side by side in a symbiotic relationship, helping, really helping each other. We're here as the physician to help the patient, but we in a way are helping each other once that trust is earned. I think one of the other things that we extend to that, and it really gets into the importance of a trusting relationship, is that as we develop these longitudinal relationships with our patients, we need them to know that we have their best interests at heart, that we will work hard, that we will investigate how we can best assist them with their issues, their diseases, their journeys, their symptoms, which quite frankly, sometimes will get right. And sometimes we might miss. If I'm treating someone's pain, I might tell them, I really think this is going to be a good option to treat your pain. And so we're going to give it a try. And we'll check back in a couple of weeks and see how we did. Now, if in a mm -hmm. couple of weeks, we find out, you know what, that missed the mark. My pain was an eight out of 10. And now it's down a little bit, it's a six, but it certainly is not acceptable yet. In a trusting relationship, they'll continue to ride with you. They'll tell you that it's not really working. I said, well, we're going to continue to work on this until we get this where we want it. If we don't have trust and we just have a transactional relationship, that moment would be a failure as opposed to just another stop along the way. And failure in that could be, this doc doesn't know what he's doing. I just don't like him. He seems impersonal and he doesn't really care. And I'm still in pain, so must not really know his stuff. And so the importance of finding those opportunities to have some personal connection such that trust is built allows you to continue to work with this patient over a period of time. 
And so I think that becomes an even more important aspect of why that trusting relationship is important. Now, with your background in oncology, this becomes even more important. And you recognize that when you begin to guide someone through a cancer journey, mm-hmm. there's going to be a period of very, very rough waters. And if they don't sure. trust you, they're mm-hmm. not going to necessarily stick along for that ride very long. But if they do trust you, well, he told me that this is going to happen. He told me this is going to get better. And he told me this is the types of things I might experience along the way. Then you've probably got a friend for life. My guess is that you've got folks, even though your oncology career is a bit in the past, you probably have patients that you treated for their cancer who you still have indelible memories of and who still perhaps even reach out to you from time to time. Absolutely. Just the other day, I was uh, back at the hospital where I trained, hadn't been there in probably over a decade. And just randomly, a patient that I had diagnosed over 15 years ago when she was in her late teens, I believe, she was a recent immigrant from Middle Eastern country. Again, here comes language again. I know she uh, did not speak very much English when we first met. She had an acute leukemia, treated her successfully. She was just in for a maintenance check. It was very... um, fortuitous, or maybe that was Providence that I'm in a building I haven't been in in more than a decade. She's there for a, um, I don't know, three-month checkup. She saw me and ran down the aisle, and uh, it was just one of the most beautiful experiences. We both, you know, were brought to tears. Again, I can't remember all the details, nor can she, but we both know that over a decade ago, we had formed a trusting relationship. She did not run down the aisle to greet you because you treated her cancer. She can't she, tell me. I'll tell people all the time. You won't remember the names of the drugs. You won't remember um, the dates we did them and stuff like that. But you will remember, like I, I think of another patient. We were able to uh, adjust her first chemo so that she could make it to her son's graduation at the University of Michigan in early May. And then we tweaked the schedule so that she could see her second son graduate high school about four weeks later. She doesn't remember a lot of those other details, but she knows she was there at those events. So yeah, what we choose to remember, it's pretty amazing. A saying that I heard early in my career, and I think about this a lot, patients will forget a lot and even forgive a lot, including a medical misadventure. However, they will never forget how you made them feel. Exactly. And with that in mind, and with empathy in our hearts, the desire to earn trust, it takes a lot of empathy, humility, and desire. But once those are there, they're front of mind, find, you find that connection. And, and generally, it's not that hard to do, but we need to be intentional about it. And that was, I think that's a great point, the intentionality of why we do this. And as I tell the medical students and the residents frequently, our job as physicians is not to treat diseases, our job is to treat patients. Now, these patients have diseases and those diseases need to be managed. But if we begin straying from that perspective and begin treating just the lung cancer in room 402, then we're, we're missing the boat because it is the person behind that that really needs to be addressed not the cancer itself. And I think one of the failings of our medical care system over the decades is that medical schools teach students to identify broken things and how to fix them. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we do within our specialty of palliative medicine is, of course, to focus on the person behind that illness 
and what is it that they specifically need? How are they reacting to it? How can we best nurture them to make sure that they can manage the course of this illness? And so we really address it in that way. And it starts with that proactive need for helping them develop trust in you and in the system in which you work so that they will have that level of confidence. It's so distressing to see patients who have been through the healthcare system and really have not necessarily had a positive experience because they don't feel they really truly connected with anyone. Sure. and especially the doctors. Now, I've had some that will hang on to a relationship with a physician's office because of the relationship that they established with a nurse or, or someone other than the physician because that person took the time to get to know who they were as a person. And again, that's what engenders the level of trust. Absolutely. And you know what I do love, John, is although not perfect, I do believe it's getting better. We talk about, you know, you mentioned medical education and a lot of emphasis is being placed on concepts of doctor-patient relationship, relationship building, earning trust, empathy. I'm teaching this a lot to first-year students, again, at the direction of the medical school. And so progress is being made. I think importance is understood in those areas. And I see that definitely getting better. What I stress to my students and try to stress to myself, ultimately, we do need to stand on a strong foundation of science, right? Our medic, the, the science, the medical knowledge that we have earned over time and have generated is uh, why our patients come to us. You know, when our patients are in a state of dis-ease, what do we have scientifically to help make them better? But as I stress to the students, that foundation, that's the first floor and not necessarily where we want to stop. From that strong foundation, now you can build this scaffolding of trusting relationships, working closely with patients. And to your point, John, I think we've demonstrated time and again in palliative medicine and in hospice care, the irony there that when we are not primarily focused on solely fixing the broken parts, identifying the pathology and eradicating it, we can actually now start looking at the whole person, where that person is within a family, within a community. And in my opinion, that's when we really start helping our patients live fully. And the irony that a lot of times we think of hospice care as end of life, but I've seen many patients really start fully living once they've made peace with their mortality and it's not just about fixing broken pieces, but how do I embrace the pieces that I have? Exactly. And again, these are just some wonderful things that can occur when we have the humility and maybe vulnerability to lean in, to desire those trusting relationships and build those relationships with our patients. Exactly. And I think it's equally important to acknowledge that, that patients come to us having trusting relationships with others. Mm -hmm. And they tend to follow the advice. You go in, you go in to see a physician and he makes a recommendation and it might be interesting, new, foreign, scary. And the decision is going to be, do I follow that recommendation or not? Now, we know that that patient already has some trusting relationships in their life. That's just the nature of who we are as human beings. There are people that we, that we know, we love, we trust, and sometimes those all might be wrapped up into one. You know, we know someone, we love someone, and therefore we trust them. But what we see is that 
people will develop a trusting relationship with a lot of people and a lot of sources for a lot of reasons. And I think that we don't need to look much further than our COVID pandemic to find people who were making healthcare decisions because they trusted someone for whatever reasons. I don't know, sometimes you do, and making poor healthcare decisions because they're following somebody that they trusted. And I think that if we as physicians in a healthcare system just throw out information outside of a trusting relationship, we may not be all that successful in getting people to move into a realm that is healthy for them. In fact, John, I think that's kind of how this conversation got started, that if we are simply the depository of said scientific information, and then we push it out in a, uh, here's the facts, now you go choose. Uh, no, don't ask me what I would do. That's an unfair question. Those types of things. That's how we got started in this discussion. Never wanting to be paternalistic, but again, uh, we don't want our patients to feel that they're on their own. And so this is finding that mixture again, the scientific uh, foundation we stand on, building a trusting relationship, earning trust. When asked, doc, what would you do? Again, based on the patient's circumstance and what's valuable to them, we can help them. Again, not necessarily what I would do, but if I were in your circumstances with your values and what you're telling me, this may be of greater benefit to you to achieve your goals than this option over here. But again, that can only be done once that trusting relationship has been generated. And again, that only starts when we are intentional and mindful about earning that. So to summarize, trust is hugely important, if not at the basis of any doctor-patient relationship. We as physicians and practitioners, I know there are a lot of folks who are practitioners who may not be physicians listening, and I would say it goes even beyond that. If we have folks in our life who need some element of guidance or direction, it's not going to happen without trust. So those steps, we make sure that they know that they are respected, that they are heard, that they are who they are is of importance and value to us. And if all those things begin falling into place, then we're going to develop that trusting relationship that will allow us to be able to provide guidance that they are much more likely to also respect and regard as something that might be important to them. Why? because we've already established that they are important to us. John, how lucky are we that we get to have this conversation? Think about these things. Hopefully someone's listening and if we can help them and help another patient. Again, I just, I always love the opportunity to be with you on these podcasts, to think deeply, to think meaningfully. Just, and just truly a pleasure, John. Thank you for that. It is. And we trust each other. And I think that's yes. one of the things that makes this so rewarding is that we're able to engage at a level of vulnerability because we have developed that over a series of years. But it began with where are the common areas that we resonate? Right. And on. What, is it, what is it about you that I respect and honor? And what is it about me that you respect and honor? And that very quickly establishes a relationship that we know we can count on each other. We know that we can mm -hmm. trust each other. We know that we can turn to each other for advice and consolation and admonishment if need be. 
<laughs> because, because trust is at the heart of it. Thanks, John. Thank you again for joining us on this episode. We appreciate your tuning in, and we'll look forward to your listening in to future episodes of Palliative Matters. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.